Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast. And I am here with a spoken word artist, a book author, and a powerful, powerful being, a mother, who, <laughs> who's enchanted us to bring some of her enlightened stuff. And she's also tired as heck right now, so I want to give y'all <laughs> <laughs> cynical insomniac. Yay. Thank What's you. Up? Thank you for having doing? me. Yes, I'm tired, but I'm very glad to be here. <laughs> Got you up all night. But no, uh, thank you for coming on the show. So. And the reason um, I'm also glad that you were able to do my October um, poetry show with um, Diana Medina. And yeah, stuff because, yeah. And that because the, the two combinations, I, I, I knew y'all two kind of meshed very well. Just with the message, and also uh, I know I know my, I know Diana for for at least four, three years now. So it's been just knowing her and in your style kind of put together. I was like, okay, yeah, that works. <laughs> but but no, but tell me. Uh, uh, first of all, congratulations on your new book, on your Thank book, you. Refuse to Drown. And is this your first one? It is. Yeah, it's my first. Um, it's my first book. I do have a short story published in like a little anthology in Columbus, oh. Ohio, where I'm from. Um, oh, I you're in Columbus? Sorry? You're in Columbus, Ohio? That's where I'm from. Oh, so you do, do you live there now or no? No. Uh, okay. No. I'm in I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina now. Okay. Because okay, my my I have family from Cleveland. And oh, nice. also my brother lives up in Columbus right now. So I miss it. I miss Columbus. <laughs> I do. Isn't it, isn't it a college town? I hear it's a college town. It's a what? A college town. Um, it depends on where you are. It's such a big city. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain certainly parts of it that are that are definitely like OSU that's like college town. Right. Um, right. but it's such a big city. I mean, like the downtown is downtown it's not a college town it's it's downtown columbus it's like a mini new york you know like it's it's industrial it's buildings it's um but but the city is so large that i mean the university itself is massive um like i used to work at the hospital there and i had to park in a parking lot about two or three miles from the hospital and ride a bus (laughs) parking lot to the hospital um, because the campus is just so huge. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I miss it. I do. Oh. Most people don't understand that like Ohio, why do you miss Ohio? Like, I don't, I don't know. I miss it. I do like this constant heat down here, constant mm-hmm. humidity. Right. Um, there's, you know, Southern hospitality, I get it, but I'm also a very private person. And which is weird because my poetry is very vulnerable, but mm, um, in, my, <laughs> in my in my real life, I'm a very private person. And people in the South are just kind of nosy sometimes. <laughs> and they're like all up in your business and they like want to shake your hand and hug you. And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> um, so I'm very much a Midwesterner. I'm okay. a transplant down here. <laughs> <laughs> I understand clearly. I, I got a few friends that I got a few family members that moved from the north to like Maryland and, and even Florida and stuff. And they're like, uh, it's, just it's just weird. Different. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I was born in Virginia. Oh, okay. And I lived in Virginia until I was like nine. Okay. And then you moved uh, up there into the cold. And then we <laughs> and then we moved to Columbus. But I lived in Columbus for I mean I'm 33. I lived in Columbus for almost all my life. So I consider myself from Columbus because that's where I grew up most of my life. So did you move to Virginia before or after your daughter? No, I was born in Virginia. No, no, I I mean, after you moved from Columbus to Virginia, did you do it before or after your daughter? Do you mean to North Carolina to where I am now? Oh, North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina. Okay. Um, after, (laughs) after, After. yeah, she lived up north with me for, I, I, I mean, I just moved here in July. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. During the pandemic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Fun. I get it. Fun. 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 Okay. But, I'm in the Trump, Trump country. During the pandemic. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but speaking of which, let's start off with 
What got you into poetry? What is your poetry journey starts you off with? That's actually a really good transition because um, politics. Mm. Um, I, I started out as a purely political poet. Um, I only wrote pieces about it because I, I, I wrote my first poem in April of 20. Well, my first spoken word piece. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, I dabbled in poetry years ago, but they were terrible um, because I was trying to like mimic what I'd seen other people do. Um, and it just wasn't working because it wasn't my style, but I didn't really know that yet. Um, and in April, last April, um, I was quarantined at home alone with my, at the time, four-year-old. Um, and I needed an outlet. There was so much crazy crap going on um, in the U.S., if people live in the U.S., they know. Um, <laughs> we we all still have, you know, nightmares about it. Um, and I was fed up and, and I, and I needed an outlet and I needed something that I could, that, that was bite-sized, you know, cause I wrote fiction for a really long time. But for me, like I wrote books, fiction books, I didn't publish them, but I, you know, I wrote novels, but I wanted something that I could write and share, write and share, write and share. And I discovered spoken word um, and I had never done it before. Um, and my first poem is called Don't Breathe. Uh, it's about the pandemic. And I think the first three, first three months or so, I only wrote political poetry and it was all pretty much um, talking about the pandemic, slamming Trump, uh, talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about, um, and that that kind of gave me my roots of, I like to call myself an advocate poet because I don't just, and I think I said this the other night too, is I don't, I don't just, you know, write about mental health for mental health sake. I write about mental health because it's fucking important. I write about um, mental health because even though we may be talking about it, sometimes we don't say the right things. And some, sometimes we make people feel less somehow because they're feeling a certain way. So I advocate for that. And I very much started out in my advocate poet role with politics um, and social justice. And I still write a lot of social justice pieces. I have a lot of social justice pieces. Um, so yeah, that's how I got my start it was pretty much COVID and Trump. Okay. Uh, people, people who go into kind of political poetry or even social justice um, either have have had a friend who's a victim and stuff, or they've been and they're trying to fight against it. Is it more what's is it more the the earlier the latter that you or or both? Um so for some of my pieces, um, you know, I I have pieces about sexual assault. Those mm-hmm. are personal. Um but no, I mean, honestly, most of it is just looking at the world and putting myself in other people's shoes. Even if I don't personally, you know, I wrote a poem, um, I don't even remember what it's called, More Than Name, I think, uh, after George Floyd. And I had never, I, I have, you know, I've primarily date black men so i have a lot of black oh. friends and you know like i <laughs> black exes and like you know like i'm very i'm very much part not part of the community but but, but involved you know what i mean like i'm i'm aware you're an ally in, in the community <laughs> um and so so my eyes are open in a way that a lot that a lot of white people's eyes are not open i think um because I mean, I remember times with my ex and I, when I was in Ohio, we would like walk in like small town, Ohio. It wasn't in Columbus. It was like a suburb of Columbus walking into the movie theater, holding hands. And this old white lady was like, 
Like, are you fucking serious? It's 2020. Like, what is your problem? Like, and, but, but my ex was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Babe. I'm like, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. And I'm trying to get super confrontational. I'm, he's like, it serves you nothing. It serves you nothing. Get used to it. And so I guess in that way, um, in that, in that tiny little way, um, you know, I have been exposed but for the most part, it's just having an understanding of decency <laughs> and equality and equity, not just equality, but equity and um, recognizing that everyone, you know, should have the same fucking rights. Like, <laughs> so I don't understand why that's an issue. Well, it's, it's a... Really enough, even though it is 2020 or it was 2020 or 2021 now, yeah. Uh, the fact that people are so secular into their own little world. I mean, I've even in my area, it's a small, it's a, it's a, I hate to say it, but I'm in a red county, so it's very, I'm it's in a red really, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's very insular. What they do is all what they do. They're still driving 50s cars. They're still doing, you know, old people are still feeling like it's the good old days and the, like yeah. the good old boys. And you just yeah. kind of like, you kind of question when new things come in or something that's not what they're used to. How do they, how do they take it? You know, how do they, how do they portray themselves with it? Do they look at it like just an alien? Do they look at it like why, you know, they want to run it out of town? You know, you gotta, you really gotta, you really gotta play your, your cards into where you step because not everywhere is going to be kind of friendly. And, right. and unfortunately I've, I've, and I mean, I did experience that a little bit cause I'm bi and I've had girlfriends. So I did experience a little bit of that. Um, you know, my, me and my girlfriend holding hands, we would get comments and looks or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to equate those two things because I can stop holding her hand and keep walking. Black people can't stop being black and keep walking. Unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> so those, those two things, I mean, I think I, I, I understand why, why some people make a comparison there because both groups are discriminated against and sometimes uh, people are violent against both groups. But I think, um, and I'm not saying that, you know, you know, we shouldn't have a right to express ourselves with our significant others. Sure, of course we should. But um, I think it is so much more systemic when it comes to race. Um, I think I think it is so much more systemic. Um, and, you know, I <laughs> I always say if it's if it's this frustrating for a white redhead to see all this shit going on. Like, I can't even imagine how being an African-American or black person in this country is like, because I, I, it infuriates me and I'm just chilling. I'm not getting fucking pulled over. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's infuriating. And, and I recognize, and, and at least I recognize it, you know, but like, it's still infuriating that, there ain't nothing to do about it. So I just write poems and shout about it as loud as I can. That's pretty well, much. It's, it's, it's a process. Even, even I kind of question, do we use the old political ideal of just wait till they die off and then keep on going? That's not working you, though. Yeah, I, know, working. I know. Because this new generation, I it's, mean, the, yeah. the Dylan Roof, how old was he? 19? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not working. We need to do something that's going to actually bring about change. But every time we try, we're violent. Hmm. Well, violence does. Unquote, violent. I'm not saying we actually are. I'm saying they're calling. <laughs> yeah. We're not but, the ones who storm the fucking capital. But I mean, <laughs> you know, like shut up and dribble, right? Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> that's, that's what we get every time we try on the progressive side to get any kind of systemic change to combat this absolute hypocrisy and two-tier justice system. But every time we try, swatted down like flies. 
Yeah. I mean, as much as as much as you see with just the black community, it's also the same with the the Latino community, the yeah. the Asian community. I mean, it's it's a it's a wing right. And even if you even look at the California, you I mean look at United States, or even just go to like the the people walking up from Colombia and stuff, they're leaving there because. The gangs and stuff are getting violent, so violent there. They have to go somewhere. They they can't find anywhere else to go because right. now the other the other countries are letting them in. So they're heading right up to us. I mean, it's it's yeah, pretty much it's, just a it's pretty much just a just a, a one way ticket to where what are we gonna do? So are we gonna keep them in? Are we taking them? Out? I mean, it's well, it's and, it's, sad. and it's also a question of what have we done to precipitate the problem. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. We no, like we, how we many weapons dirt. have we provided these gangs? It, how many dirt. weapons? How many? <laughs> you know, like as Americans, we really need to look into ourselves and say, okay, these people are now trying to get help from us. How much detriment did we do to them? Maybe we should take that into account when we're letting them into our country. Welcome. Them, That's what I say. Say that with Afghanistan having Afghanistan having their own little issue, um, but I digress. <laughs> um, but as you said before, in your political poetry and stuff, and you right now you've been mostly stressing on mental health. Do you see mental health not? Ha- I mean, mental health. As much as people try to say it's new, it's always been there. It's just now people. It's now the stigma is trying to change the. The precipitate the perception of what it was, whereas people would you know call it the loony bin or just send right. them over to or you know people are crazy right. on drugs or addicts or whatever the heck. I mean, they, it's now the point of now you have to try to change. You're trying to change the stigma that has been formulated for. I mean, even religion they formulated in religion. They formulated in and um political politically they form religion they form emotionally they form you racially i mean it's not even the fact that just like racism it's just a, it's a taught process you are taught that people are crazy and these people need to be moved so now you are now trying to teach people they're not crazy something is just different that's going on in their head and we have to take that into consideration not look at them as a threat but look at them as a um, actual um they just need help. What and do you feel? Like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Well, I was gonna, you're going to ask about. So I said, what do you, what do you think about? You said not only that. But what is it yeah, I mean, not only that, but it's important. So, so I think, I think there are two ways that are unhelpful that we talk about mental health. I think one of them is what you were saying, where it's stigmatized and, um, you know, you're weak, you're, you know, get over it, whatever, all that bullshit. That's, that's problem number one. And that's, that's ridiculous. I think, however, I think there is a second kind of polar opposite to that, that some people try to do where if something is wrong, instead of saying, you know, get over it, you're fine. Um, they try to solve it. You know, they try to say, oh, we'll do this, do this, do this. Okay. Just listen. Just listen to what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to solve my problems. I'm asking you to let me tell you my problems. And I think, I think that is one thing that now that we are trying to move past this, this, this stigma I think a lot of people are being very helpful or trying to be helpful um, when they say, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Okay, look, right now, what I'm trying is I'm trying to talk to you. And you're not listening. You're thinking of what you're going to say next. And I think that's the second problem now that we have with talking about mental health is I think we don't, I have a piece, um, is it? Oh, I, I did it. I did it um, on the show on the uh, on the. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah. Broken. Broken. Yeah. Let me feel broken. Don't try to fix me. I like. I understand there is something in me 
in my brain, in whatever, that isn't quite working right. I get it. But I'm not asking you to fix me. I'm asking you to listen. And I think that's I think that's kind of the polar opposite side of the stigmatizing because stigmatizing is just ignoring it and just being like, ugh, get over it. You're fine. I think the other half of that is not really listening, just hearing that someone is depressed, hearing that they're having issues and saying, oh, we'll try exercising. We'll try this, try that, try that. Okay. Listen though. And I think, I think that is what, I think that's why I, I, tend towards such a conversational style in my poetry because I want it to feel like I'm talking to people. I don't want it to feel like I'm preaching at them Mm. because that's what it feels like. Sometimes when we talk about mental health in the poetry community, it feels like someone's preaching. And I know I probably get preachy sometimes, but (laughs) I try not to, but it's, I think, I think that's the other danger there is that, is that we're not letting people just express themselves. If they ask for help, fantastic. If they're just expressing themselves, leave it be. And I think there's some um, people who might be a little, (laughs) I know I'm a cynic, but a lot of people may be almost too positive because they just want to fix everything. And just, calm down and let me be me. Let me feel broken and let me move on. And I think that's kind of the other side of that, if that makes any sense at all. Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I hear a lot of times women say one thing they have problem with their, with their male counterpart or their significant other is a lot of times is they're trying to solve whatever issue that comes up. It's just like, they're just like a faucet. They're trying to fix the faucet. They're just finding, finding the problem or calling someone who has the solution to the problem so we can keep on going with our lives. You know, there's a fire, it's about the fire, let's go. Instead of looking at the fire and just looking at there's some other things around it that need to be, that that are happening with that fire. And we have to understand what the fire is about, not try to get out, get rid of it as fast as possible. Right. And I mean, I think men need to understand that twofold because I think they need to understand that in order to listen. Yes. But also, in order to understand that it's okay to vent and to share because a lot of men don't and that is dangerous because suicide rates are real and unlike women men tend not to miss when they try so it's as a quote Yeah, it's true, though. It's true, though. If you look at the stats, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember looking it up a while ago, um, like women attempted suicide uh, is much higher than men because men usually don't attempt. Men usually do it. And it gets scary. So I think I think men do need to learn that not just for women who want them to listen, but or or friends who want them to listen, whatever. Um, but just to learn that it's okay to share because you need to. Right. But most of the time, a lot of reasons why sharing is not uh, um, as, as prevalent or as convenient as is, you know, it's most like most of the women and stuff. A lot of times it's because of what the other person would think of them, either weakness or they ridicule them. Oh, you having a problem with that girl, man? Why you having a problem? You man, man, what's going on? You know, it's, it's a weird. Get you some new friends. Get you some that, new friends. Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. Is like people say, "Well, I can't tell." Okay, then, then I'm. I mean, and I listen. I I have like one super awesome, amazing best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's not around, I kind of don't really have a go to person. Um, but that's on me. That's not on him. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fair. Um, so that's, if that's, you know, if you have friends that are going to respond that way, get you some new friends because that's bullshit. That's true. And I, I, 
I know it's not that easy to just go out and grab some new friends. Believe me, I know. But um, yeah, it's it's important. It's it's part of that that culture. I think that needs to shift. I think I think men um, and you know this is something we've been talking about as a society for years now. Just like the Me Too thing, I think men need to be um, allowed to have emotions and feel things. And a whole male sensitivity, yes. We, yeah. Our masculinity does get, or our toxicity, male toxicity does get in the way of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Speaking of which, so with your poetry, you're basically, you said, so you went into uh, political side and then you went, so what, what else has started you to, what started you to do spoken word? Let's go there. How, what started you to go into spoken word mostly? Um, you know, I, that's a, that's, I don't, I don't really know because I <laughs> that I wanted to, I wanted to find something I sh- that was like bite size that I could write and share. Okay. Um, and I, and I wrote that first poem and it read okay on the page, but even then, and I didn't know this at the time, but even then I was writing like a spoken word artist. I wasn't writing like a poet, like a page poet. I was writing a spoken word artist. Like my style um, was not a page poet. Um, And I just tried reading it out loud one time. And I was like, oh, that sounds way better out loud than it does on the page. And once I discovered that, I was kind of like, and I didn't even know IG was a thing as far as like uh, poetry and art and all that stuff went. I didn't even have an IG um, I was barely on Facebook. I actually never on Facebook now, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, it, it discovered me kind of, cause I didn't set out to, to be a spoken word artist. I didn't set out to be a poet, but I think with me, poet and spoken word art, artist are synonymous for me, like me, not, not for everyone, just like, as it applies to me. I think that's just what I am. I think I'm a spoken word artist. So I don't think I am a page poet. I don't think I have that in me. Elaborate why you said that you wasn't, that wasn't your path directly, right? I mean, to be a spoken word or oral poet, period. What do you mean? You're, you're, saying, you're, you're saying that you weren't aiming to go that route in the first place hmm. when you're talking about. What, no, because, doing. yeah, because I, I didn't, really knew no it was a thing so I, oh. I didn't set out to be the spoken word artist I mean I knew slam poetry was a thing but I didn't know you know I didn't know that spoken word poetry was a thing outside of slam you know? oh really so you yeah. didn't oh so you didn't know anything about button poetry I didn't know uh, jack crap about <laughs> you really kept yourself inside like I, I, this I still don't know jack crap about poetry brother I I, I am winging this shit Oh, really? Uh, oh, we, we have to talk. I mean, I've been doing it for a, a, a little, a less than a year and a half now. Okay. Oh, okay. So this is so, totally new to you. Totally, totally new to me. I am winking this. All right. Welcome to the room, Alice. Yeah, right? Um, so far, I haven't spectacularly failed, so I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It just kind of discovered me because... And I was never really big into acting. I did some acting in high school. Oh, okay. Um, but that's it. I was in choirs and stuff. I sang for years. Um, so being on stage performing, that was all old hat for me. But I've been doing that my whole life. Um, I think I think I just kind of fell naturally into it because of that, because I just have that performance background. Um, and yeah, I just fell into it. The drama kid <laughs> came out. <laughs> I was definitely the drama. I was I was the nerd of all types, my friend. I was the language nerd. I was the drama nerd. I was the music nerd. Yeah. <laughs> you basically said you could have got a part in Glee if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> People paid me to do their homework, so that was me. Hey, that's a good hustle. <laughs> I was that. I was that kid. <laughs> so, so with you, so, 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 so you being only been in the year stuff. How has it felt so far? How has the, the reception been so far from 
the community, well, not only the community, but also since you go on Instagram a lot, and I see a few of your, your videos on Instagram, how has is, how is the reception been so far, the feedback? Amazing. Okay. Amazing. I, I never set out for my words. I mean, okay. Obviously, I wanted them to have impact. Right. That's the goal. I never actually expected to achieve that. <laughs> um, I, as my name implies, I am a cynic. Um, I went into this thinking four people are going to watch this and no one's going to comment. And I'll just keep writing and no one's going to give a shit. And I'll just keep writing and posting shit and no one's going to give a shit. And now I have, I actually don't know how many followers I have. <laughs> like 2,000, two, two I think, something. I don't know. <laughs> She's like, oh, um, we're still there. <laughs> I don't know. I should know that, but I don't. Um, it's not important. But, um, but I, yeah, it's really exciting because I never set out for my words to be so personable to anyone other than me because a lot of my poetry especially the mental health stuff is so specific to me but turns out a lot of it is really relatable to other people and I never set out to do that but I'm really really glad that that's the case because that's the whole point of me doing this is trying to especially with the mental health poetry is with the pandemic and, and all the uncertainty and people losing people and being isolated and mental health is more important now than I think it's probably been in my lifetime just because we're also isolated from each other. And when you're depressed, you're already isolated. But now you have to wear a mask when you go outside, too. You can't see people's smiles. You can't see their their mouth move. You can't actually connect with them face-to-face. You have to see through a screen a lot of times. I mean, so when you're already depressed and then you add that isolation in on top of it, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And it has been a disaster for a lot of people. True. Very true. So. Since you started, technically, you started almost at the, at the year of the pandemic and its fruition. Yeah, I started about I started about two months after the outbreak. Right. Started- but being that you saw, so being that you started during you know during that and stuff, does that kind of make your perception of poetry an outlet that? a good outlet for you to go into because it basically got the got the words out of your head or the thoughts out of your head onto paper so you can see it or speak it or oh yeah I always tell people I don't journal I poet (laughs) I don't I don't have a therapist I poet I that's that's how I that's that's how I'm still sane ish because I know a lot of comedians use that as their way of um even though they use some majority of them use therapy a lot of times it's just a lot what comes out of their head and they just write it down and somehow yeah. some way they change a few things and they change a tragedy or an idea of something that was completely messed up into something that's funny so right. it's always that whole thing of tragedy versus tragedy to comedy so right. basically the equation of, tra- of comedy is tragedy plus time yeah, it's comedy. So, so, uh, so I would say is, I wouldn't say that'd be the same with poetry, but it does have some inkling to it to go. Yeah, I mean, I and 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 the piece I'm going to do tonight is is one of those pieces that was like it helped me. I I call it writing my way out mm. when I when I'm in a hole when I'm in a spiral. Sometimes I can write my way out. Sometimes I can't. Um, and the times I can't are usually bad. But um, 
I was able to write myself out. Um, and yeah, that's, I don't, I think that's, that's why my poetry is so vulnerable and so open because it's real. I write about fact. I write about what I'm feeling. I write about what's actually happening. I don't sugarcoat things. I don't try to make my life look prettier than it is because I know that no one else's life is perfect either. So why bother? <laughs> well, there's, there's some good reason to bother, but I just, um, you sound like a lot of stuff, you, a lot, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff that I read, read from you and stuff and also here, it seems like a lot of it's uh, kind of going in the free verse realm. Uh, do you do you, do you ever think about going into kind of a no? <laughs> All I write is free verse. I have I have like one little haiku story. It's like this like uh, like six or seven stanzas of haikus telling a story. That's it. I don't I don't I don't write ABAB. I don't write sonnet. I don't write. I don't do any. Um, no. I'm a spoken word free verse girl. I don't, I don't like rules. Mm. I don't like oh. rules. Interesting. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's, let's change some subjects. So the book, Refuse to Drown. Yes. What start, so since the book came out, what, the book came out this year, right? End of so, July, yes. End of July. So when did you start writing it or... Well, this is from a compile of poems you wrote that you're writing during the whole time, since the beginning till now. Uh, what what started the idea of you writing a book? So it's compiled of poems that that I started. I, I didn't write them all specifically for the book. Um, mm -hmm. It was a, it's a it's a compilation of poems that have were written within that time frame. Um, and as far as why I wrote the book or how it came about is. Um, so I did an album first oh, okay. because I am a control freak and I really didn't want to do a book because I'm a spoken word artist. I'm not a page poet. I don't want people to just read my words. I want people to hear my voice right. because I'm a control freak and I want you to hear it how I want you to hear it. Um, but a friend of mine, uh, Nikki, I don't know if you know her on IG, she's Nikki speaks volumes. Um, I talked to her about the idea that I had for this book of doing not just poems, because if it were just poems, I would feel very passive. I feel like I'm just passively handing something to the reader and saying, okay, it's yours now, do with it what you will. And I couldn't do that. I just couldn't. I'm too much of a control freak. I needed to have some kind of interaction with the reader. Um, and it was, I don't know if it was her idea or my idea, but um, we decided it would be a good idea to uh, draw prompts from my pieces. Um, and that way I could actually interact with the reader. I could actually directly, hopefully inspire the reader. Um, and I felt like then I had a little bit more control in the situation. I, um, I felt like I was contributing something to the reader instead of just handing them, you know, my words on a page. Um, I felt like I was, I was, being able to be more interactive with my reader that way. Um, and that's what convinced me to do it. And then um, the pretty provocative poet, I don't know if you know him. Um, yeah, I've seen pretty provocative. Yeah, super dope. Um, <laughs> he, he actually did my cover for the book. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so the book is completely community created. I mean, me and Nikki had the idea. Triple P did the cover. He helped me edit it. Um, and yeah, it's completely community created. It was all done by us. There's no, and it's self-published. I mean, there's no quote unquote professionals involved. It's just all us kids. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, and it was, how long did it take? Once I really sat down to do it, not very long. I think it was like two months. Okay. Once I actually like, but what, what lit the fire under my ass is when Triple P uh, sent me this dope cover that he did for it. He was like, oh, you like this? And I was like, well, now I have to finish the damn book. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, okay, thanks. Now I have something to do. Like, um, so that really lit a fire. My, I know, right? So that really little that lit a fire under my ass to get it done. And once I once I really sat down and started working on it, it was like a two or three month process. So, so I pulled it up. So you have Melody within the Grim. Mm-hmm, that's my album. And and the one on um there's one on um uh um Amazon called Van Gogh. Amazon Music. That's on the album. Okay, so that's just that's just one of the, that's one of those okay. Yeah, that's one so of the, the So so the album is actually called Melodies Within the Grim. Okay, okay. Yeah, check it out, people. Melodies within the Grim. Yeah. So basically has an album now stuff. Oh, and as book. <laughs> <laughs> so since you since you now said like that, it's me, me, beyond being a control freak, you now have an album and now a book. What is is I'm looking now with IG with the video and stuff. Is there next video? For I me, mean, is a video footage or a video type um poetry. Um, like, like a set I don't know I was thinking yeah I don't know I mean I'm working on a second book okay um currently it's going to be called take me with you um so I'm working on that okay um and okay that's the question do, so do you like since you before said you want just people to hear your stuff you didn't want to give it as an actual Here's the book, read it, and then make your assumption. You wanted people to, you wanted to shake them up by them hearing what they had. Why the point of doing, why the point of doing the second book? If your first, your first thought was, I'm going to make an album because of this. And I made a book because my friend basically kind of, not dared me, but kind of. Well, no, well, no, I made a book because everybody was asking for a book. Okay. Okay. That's that's and that sounds arrogant, but that's not how I mean it. I just mean like everybody was like, "Hey, Sin, when's the book coming out?" I'm like, "What book? <laughs> I'm not doing a book." <laughs> um, so why the second I, book then? It, yeah, because I mean, myriad of reasons. Um, I would love to do a second album. Okay. I'm hoping. I'm um, Triple P and I have a bunch of collabs together. I'm hoping that that we can do a collab album at some point. That's gonna be dope. Um, I would love to do a second album, but right now, um, I don't have the space for it. I just, I don't have the place to record. I have a mic, I have a nice mic, but I don't have the place to record. I don't have, um, like this, the sound in this room is miserable. It's hollow (laughs) echoes. Um, I can't triple P's a producer. He can't, he can't make it sound better than it, than it does. You know, (laughs) like it's just terrible room to record in. Um, so that's part of it. Um, part of it is honestly the book. The books do better than albums. They just do. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for albums, it's streaming. So it's like, like ten cents per. <laughs> like you know, it's not even a, it's not even a cent no more. It's a it's right. Not even a I mean, it's it's. <laughs> you know, a thousand so, for one penny. <laughs> exactly. So so I mean, yes, I would love to do a second album. Um, and I hope to at some point, but I think the second book is more prudent right now just because um, financially it makes more sense too. Mm. Yeah, that is a point, right? But having and having all your merchandise when you go to your shows probably is a good, a good, also a good health thing of um. Of a financial secure, not well, not security, but for also financial um, endeavors. Like, okay, I have my CD and also have my book, and I can go when I go to these shows, or I can actually bring that out, and people will be like, oh, okay, I'll I'll buy it. Or even having a, do do you also sell it on like Bandcamp, the album? Mm -mm. You can sell it on Bandcamp and stuff, and have it on there to sell for. People, you know, just there's there's other ways of just looking at. I mean, I understand I understand what the point of streaming kind of kind of kicked out the whole idea of well, I don't I don't have to buy it. I was streaming off. It's like, ugh. Yeah. but it is still you can still have some some control 
as you are the control freak <laughs> of what to what can be what can be streamed, what cannot be streamed, and right. what you have to buy to get it. Because yeah, so there is a there is a tip. Um, so was it? Here's a good question. Um, was it faster than make an album? Or was it more? Was it faster to make or finish the book? Mm. I think that took about the same amount of time. Okay. I mean, I think the book probably took a little bit longer just because of the editing. Because huh. um, editing is such a bitch. <laughs> um, especially if you have like 100 pages. Then <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to be here for a while. Um, and then I had to order proofs and the cover was messed up and I had to order a second proof and to wait for those. So just like with all of the working time and all of the, the shipping time and all the waiting overall, I think the book probably took longer. Um, but I feel like more work went into the album, um, oh. just out of like performatively, just because, you know, I, <laughs> In the software, in Logic, um, you can, you know, mess up and then go back and just record over where you messed up. I'm a perfectionist. I'm doing that whole damn track again. <laughs> I'm not going back and fixing that one part because I don't want my voice to sound weird. I don't want it to, I don't want my tone to be even a tiny percent off. I want it to sound seamless. So I would go back and do the entire thing again and the entire thing again and the entire thing again. And um, I think my record, I did um, Code Switch. Um, I think that one took two days oh, okay. to, get, to get a good take because I just kept fucking it up. Because that piece, you heard that piece, like yeah. it's just it's it goes back and forth between languages and I'm and I'm hot and I'm hopping to French and German and spitting fast and like it barely breathing. And yeah, I fucked that piece up for like two days straight. I had to walk away and do something else and then I came back to it and I did it. But it was like it 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 probably took me two days to get a good take of that track. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I've I've had that before in being a rapper, being a rapper before being a poet. It was it was yeah. a pretty mind bending. I was like, just, just get the part right. Yeah. Let me try to get it back in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's infuriating. <laughs> it's infuriating. And like I said, like I can't just fix that one part. I have to do the whole thing again. Mm -hmm. And Code Switch <laughs> is a four and a half minute poem. <laughs> mm. So I could get to the very end and be like. <laughs> I have to go back and do it again, which I did like 18 times. There you go. <laughs> um, so, so what is your, what is, what is the next event you're getting ready to do? Are you going to do this in this month or next month? Um, or is it more at the finance schedule? <laughs> yeah. So say, I don't think I really have anything coming up right now. Um, oh, okay. I have, uh, I have my workshop going on that Sundays at 4.30 p.m. EST. Um, Are you a workshop? Yeah, it's called Sins Misfits. It's a poetry. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. How about yeah. that? Yeah. What, what, um, what, what's the, is there more of a just getting your poetry together or is it a prompt? What, what kind of workshop? Do you um, no, we do rights. Okay. Um, we do rights and we share and I give feedback and we all give feedback and it's all very uh, productive and we're like a little family. It's great. We get people coming all the time. So is that um, where in, it's, on is Zoom. That like, is, oh, it's on Zoom? Oh, okay. Is, uh, do you, do you put that out on certain days on uh, where do you put that information on IG, Facebook? Or um, I haven't heard like it in a while because my, because my, I just got a new job and I had to change the hours. Okay. So I'm having to update the flyer. So I, I took the flyers down. I have to, I have to make a new flyer and put it up oh, okay. for, with the new time and day on there. Cause it used to be on Thursdays, but since I'm working, it's not, it has to be on Sundays now. Oh, oh then you don't have like a partner or something to handle while you go do something else on the side. You don't have like mm -hmm. another person. You don't have like another person who who can help, who can uh, administer while you're like, okay, I got to do this. Can you take this, take it over for us for a little bit, and I'll be right back. 
All right, yeah, I got you. You don't have that kind of person? You mean in the workshop? Yes. Um, or is this more controlling it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, but but on Thursday, I mean, like, I can't do Thursdays because I'm because I'm working. Like, I can't. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying, but then since, since you said right now you're trying to reschedule and stuff, it it can't go on because right now you have to yes shut down because you had a new job starting. There is nobody in the workshop that you can trust to have to keep it going until you figure out a new time what works for you. And then they can all switch it to that. Well, no, it's not about that. It's not about trust. Okay. It's not about trust at all. It's just about, um, I mean, it's my workshop. I don't think anyone else would, <laughs> to, would want to try to run it. I mean, it's, it's, I do things a certain way and it, and it works um, for how we do things now. I mean, triple P's in the workshop. Um, uh, But anyone in the workshop, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a trust thing um, that I don't trust that they couldn't do it. I think it's just um, for some reason, they value they I didn't mean it in the, in the way of you, there was a, a trustworthy or no one, you're not family or whatever. I was mm-hmm. just more saying the fact of it, if this thing is has so many people in it, I was just looking at it as, you know, the function. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I got to do something. Can you, can you take over while I'm doing Yeah. This? I, I mean, I, like I do kind of have a second in command. I would say okay. the triple P is kind of my second in command. If I need to okay. step away for a second, he'll, he'll you know run the timer for the rights or whatever okay. yeah but i mean it's very much my workshop it's very much okay. um you know if i'm not there they're not having it that day yeah. um so yeah but okay. it, um, we just met today again after like two weeks of not not seeing each other that was nice i missed them so okay so 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 workshop we got album we got a book also on the mix i mean what else is cynical sin going to do next? <laughs> like I said, I'm working on a second book. Um, I'm right now uh, taking a tiny bit of a break from, um, I'm, I probably am going to perform still, but I'm not going to perform near as often right now. Um I just need to kind of step back for a little mm. bit, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep, keep hustling, keep, keep writing, keep performing, working on my book, um, trying to find mics live and IG and just trying to move my career forward. Mm, okay. So, so if you're a thought about, Doing a poetry slam or no? I've been in slams. Okay. Yeah. I've been in slams. Yeah. Um, it's not really my vibe. It's okay. I, I, and it's funny because I am a very competitive person. Um, but with poetry, I feel like, you know, if I want to take four minutes to say what I want to say, I'm going to take those four minutes to say what I want to say. I don't want to shape it down to three ten. Mm. Um. Now, if I have a poem that's 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 two ninety eight and it's strong as fuck, yeah, I'll slam with it. But I am not a slam poet. Um, I will slam now and then, and rarely win. Um, but it's fun. Um, but it's not something that I would do, you know, uh, in any kind of serious circuits. I don't think it's not it's not really something I'm interested in. I used okay. to, and then I kind of learned more about it and learned how regulated it is and how um, arbitrary sometimes things can be. Um, and it's just, it's just not for me. Okay. So, so okay. Well, that, that's, that's good to know and stuff. Uh, I just asked it's uh, just because uh, I, I know Socially, um, social and political poems really harbor harvest in 
um, slam poetry a lot. So yeah. kind of their bread and butter. And I lot. think that's <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why I was interested in slam at first because okay. I because I would hear my type of poetry in slams, and I'd be like, "Well, I can fucking do that." Um, <laughs> and then I don't know. I just I don't like turning my art into a weapon which is what it feels like when you're doing slam sounds a little contradictory since you are trying to use your poem your words to tell the opposition you're doing wrong here this 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 well (laughs) i'm not using it as a weapon though i'm i'm using it as a guide oh okay as of here's what you're doing wrong i'm talking to them i'm not I'm not, um, when I say weapon, I don't mean, I don't mean weapon of the subject of the poem. I mean, weapon towards the other poets. Right. And that's what slam feels like to me. That's what slam feels like to me. I understand it's not battle rap. I get that. But like, there is kind of that attitude of, you know, it's very competitive and it very much feels like you're slinging words at each other. And that's just not my thing. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. Well, you know what? Thank you for being on. Let's talk about where people can find you on social media. Um, so Instagram is where I'm most active. It's uh, cynical underscore underscore insomniac. Um, that is where you will find me most of the time. That's where I post all of my new um, videos. Um all of my new pieces. I rarely post text. Um, I almost, I, I almost solely post spoken words. Um, it just depends on the piece, but rarely do I post post text. Um, that's where you'll find me most. Um, I do have a YouTube channel. It's also cynical insomniac, um, but there's not much posted there. I have a website, cynicalinsomniac.com. Um, but it is best to refer back to my IG because my website needs to be updated. So um, as of right now, IG is really the best place to find me. Okay. I'm also on Clubhouse. You know what? Clubhouse. Oh, Clubhouse. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, um, what, if you ever thought about using TikTok or anything, or it's just not right you now, know, I, thing. I did TikTok for a while, and I got okay. bored of it. <laughs> I got bored of it. I'm like, okay, I'm sick of posting 60 seconds of me just talking. Like it's annoying. I don't like it. So yeah. I do out of TikTok. I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> I, I feel you, I feel you, no doubt. <laughs> but why don't, we, why don't we give you the time right now to do a poem that you selected out for us right now and let's, Give it up to Cynical, Insomniac's poetry. (laughs) Okay, y'all, I'm going to hit you with something kind of dark because it's bleak, and I feel like this would be therapeutic for me to do. Um, This one does have a trigger warning for um, mention of self-harm and suicidal ideation. Um, And this one is from the book. It's called One Hour. I'm home alone. No one's answering their phones. They're leaving me on read and not responding, but I really shouldn't be surprised. I do the same shit to them sometimes. So really, I guess this is karma. This is my comeuppance for past transgressions of being a shitty friend or girlfriend. But now the darkness of the spiral has me reaching from my lighter to brighten the path to a memory of yet another scar. I'm disoriented in the darkness. That or the spiral is so severe that it's making me dizzy. I can't tell left from right, up from down. And still, no one's responding. Across two different apps, three different people are ignoring me. 
on WhatsApp, those two blue check marks are showing. And on IG, it says seen 14 minutes ago. Man, karma really is a bitch. How did I get myself into this situation? I'm sitting in my basement, crying, staring at a tiny pillar of fire, my eyes glued to the flame. My mind glitches for a minute, reminding me how simultaneously good and painful it would be to press the scorching hot metal above the petal of my lighter to my skin. Just press it in. Sit in the dark so you can't see the raised welt the mark that will one day become a scar and then flick the lighter on again. Because why not? We're here now. We've come this far. IG now says seen 32 minutes ago and crying is behind me. I'm numb. My eyes are dry and they're itching me, but I barely even have the energy to blink. I barely even have the energy to breathe. I've lost the ability to think. I'm watching the conversations in my apps, hoping to see those little three dots signifying that someone I'm trying to reach is typing, but no one is. No one's there. Well, no. They're there. They're just not responding. Maybe they don't realize that this time it may not stop at the lighter. That may not be enough. This time that famed little orange bottle in the nightstand is calling my name. Scene 44 minutes ago. I do the same shit to them sometimes. I've gone days without responding to a desperate message, so it'd be absolutely hypocritical of me to be hurt when they do the same thing, but another scar is about to be born, so it's hard to remember in this moment that this is self-inflicted. I brought this on myself. This is my karma. I have no right to be upset, but I am. This hurts and the spiral is making me dizzy as it deepens. The darkness is drowning me, stealing my breath from my lungs. Each exhalation stolen and not returned. And my brain returns to the thought of the bottle. But I struggle to shot that thought up quick, forcing myself to think of my daughter. Let the flame of my lighter grow ever higher, ever hotter, ever brighter. My eyes fix on my phone, looking for those three little dots and instead seeing only seen one hour ago. Nice, nice. (laughs) So so I, I didn't know one thing. It seems a lot of your, a lot of the poems you do uh, are kind of monologues. They're in a dramatic monologue or soliloquy type of um, direction. Do you feel that way on some of it or no? Yeah, I mean, I would call it conversational, okay. where I'm telling a story. And oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of spoken word is monologue. Well, it, <laughs> it, has, its, it has its tenses and stuff, but uh, I was more looking at because you're because you're because what you're doing is kind of taking the character and the character has a few, you know, inner. it's like the monologue, like I, like, like I said, monologue is mostly inner thoughts. They're talking, you know, you see a scene like uh, street um, or streetcar named Desire. You see him out there, Stella, Stella and doing that thing or Hamlet uh, doing the talk It's his him talking into the ether. Whatever, right. and then trying to, as he's talking, he's deciding a fate. The 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 idea of the problem to the fate comes into order, and it's like okay. Yeah, I see what uh, you're saying. I mean, I think I think some of my pieces are like that. Yeah, some mm-hmm. of my mental health pieces are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just throwing an idea. I was like, it's a little monologue. <laughs> Sounds like a little monologue to it. It, don't mind me, I, I have moments. <laughs> but no, thank you for coming on, Cynical. Yes. I, I can't wait for you to get your next book. Everyone, be sure to check out her book, 
uh, Refuse to Drown. If you haven't checked out the book, check out also the album. It's on Spotify. It's on all the all your streaming services. But you know, to me, I think it's about time to buy some albums because <laughs> this is because if you do know the the system. They ain't giving much money when you're not. <laughs> you buy one song, that's 99 cents. That's more than you get for streaming. Come on now. You can own that. Come on now. Uh, but yeah, check out the Melodies with a Grim on all, all stream services, but buy the album. Buy the album. <laughs> and also, wait for the next book. I'm, uh, I'm Take Me With You is the next book coming out. Take Me With and- You. And uh, when when do you see that coming out next year or? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. Hopefully before my birthday. Hopefully before March. We'll see. Oh, March. Oh, March, baby. Okay. <laughs> my brother's March. Nice. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, well, then. All right. Well, you take care. Everyone else out there, you take care of yourself. I am, once again, Sharon Resolution, and this is Cynical Insomniac. Peace on to you. Be safe. Be careful. We're watching. Peace. Thanks for having me.